Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Like most often, I'm your host, Jay Ewing, reside on the Erie campus quite often, but today I'm on the Boulder campus, beautiful Boulder on a Thursday, in the booth with a really dear friend of mine, John Boyle, in the house. Hi, John. Thanks for having me, Jay. This week, I am trying really hard not to get into sports discussion, so keep me from that. Okay. So here's the question. We've turned the corner from Halloween. When is the appropriate day of the year to start listening to Christmas music? Oh my gosh, that is the easiest question in the world. Yes? Yeah. Um, I think the moment you can begin listening to Christmas music, and this is indisputable. <laughs> love how you say that. Is when Santa rolls down Broadway in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's when you hit play. You can. Yeah. You don't have to, but if you if you listen before then, I think you're in error. Oh, wow. So, Cozy, done 30 years of Christmas right. music. yeah. Mm-hmm. They start November 16th at 5 p.m. Yeah, I think that's too early. What do you think? <laughs> I have historically been where you've been. However, since COVID, November 1st is the first day I listen to Christmas music. So you've been already listening to Christmas music? Oh, yeah. In fact, on the way to school, my daughter has, she's done the math to our Christmas playlist. We have to listen to two songs a day to get through every song in the playlist. This was her idea. Wow. This was really her idea and her like thinking about the implications. So we have to listen to two songs for the Ewing Christmas playlist. You drive your children to school? Yep. I do. I do. It's super fun. Why don't you walk them? Because they... Our school is further than a walk. Defined further than a walk. Oh, it was like 15 minutes to get to their school. A 15-minute walk? No, drive. Oh, okay. So it's about it's about a 25-minute bike ride. Okay. So, so you could ride your bicycles and still listen to... You could listen to more songs that way if you did that. Yes, while the snow's on the ground, we could. <laughs> there was no snow this morning on the ground. <laughs> Do you walk your kids to school? Yeah. Every one of them to the high school? No, 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 no. McKenna and Cooper handle it themselves. Right. But Beckett, we that that is a every gift. morning. That yeah. is a gift to slow down like I that. I may have driven him on Monday when it was freezing. <laughs> yeah. But that's the first time this year. Well, very cool. Finding out something about it. So you're the – Santa has to be coming down me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a wonderful day. You have to have rules. And yeah. And I don't know <laughs> – Otherwise, you're just inventing it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I'd be interested to hear from the Calvary faithful who listen to the weekly, now who watch on the weekly. Now, that's a good segue, by the way, to telling everyone who listens to the podcast, we are now on YouTube pretty consistently. That means we've done it twice in a row. Yeah, I was. you've made some changes here. This is a lot We have made, you're in the booth now with us on the Boulder campus. And um, you can... We would love in the comments on YouTube if you would say when you think it's appropriate to listen to Christmas music. Well, there is a right answer. <laughs> Much like Revelation is. There's a right answers in Revelation, right? Uh, maybe. Okay. So, But before we get any further, do us a huge solid. You can always go to calvarybible.com. Click on your 
neck of the woods that you reside, what campus. We have some wonderful campuses out here in beautiful Colorado. Click on your campus. Click on events. Find out how to stay connected here at Calvary or how to get connected here at Calvary. We love to get you connected. So many great things happening this fall here at Calvary, including some fun things that are very specific to our campuses because we have very unique campuses that are very similar as well. That's right? very descriptive, Jay. Yeah, man. But go to calvarybible.com. That'd be awesome today. Also, hit that like button if you're on YouTube. It helps us. And you can always leave a five-star or only a five-star review on the podcast, <laughs> which one of my life group guys sent me one. He did. He was appalled at how much we talk about football, which others have complained about that before. However, he wanted us to talk about the Rugby World Cup. Oh, yeah. Which just concluded this last Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I have watched some highlights of rugby. Good for you. Because he's in my life group and he's from England. You're a nice friend. And I want to connect with him. Yeah. My boys play rugby. They do? Yeah. That's really strange. I was going to say strange. <laughs> it is strange. And as an American, it is very strange. I should say that. Why, why would that be strange? Because it's it hasn't been a typical American youth sport. Yeah. But that's really cool. Do they play, is it like touch? Like where you, once you get touch, you have to stop? Or at, how does that certain, work? No, at a certain age, they can tackle. So both of them are old enough now that they can tackle. Wow. Yeah. I actually didn't know this about your family. Really? Yeah. We've never talked about that? No, we've never talked yeah. about Cooper's it. Cooper's rugby season wrapped up like two weeks ago. Now, why rugby? We have a good friend that lives in our neighborhood who uh, played rugby and coaches our local rugby club. And he, uh, a few years ago, was like, you should have the boys play rugby. And Cooper and Beckett were like, that sounds awesome. So they started doing it and they really enjoy it. That's really cool. Yeah, it's That's cool. That's really cool. I had to learn about the sport too. Yeah. It was unfamiliar to me but uh it's fun as a fan of rugby what's your favorite thing about the sport that like you're like this is really fun the community around the game of rugby is really amazing um and uh there's just cool people who have played it and who really want to see the game grow especially here in the united states mm -hmm. so uh it's been really cool to see how supportive and uh, they they really work hard to develop community around the game that uh, has been a neat experience. That's really neat. Yeah. That's really neat. Very cool. All right. I have an uncle, by the way, who played on the national team of Zimbabwe when he was younger. Wow. Yeah, on the rugby. It was Rhodesia at the time. Okay. It was pre. Yeah, but he played on the national team. You have it in your blood. You should I know. be more I, engaged around the game. You know, you're sort of inspired me, actually. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Jacob would actually play rugby. Yeah. And how fun it would be. It's fun. Watch. All right. So we are in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Speaking of strange things. <laughs> <laughs> what, as a man who's preached through chapter 12, mm -hmm. um, as you're preparing for chapter 12, what's some of the hardest sort of lessons you learn as you, like, prepare, get ready, try to be clear. What are some of those hard lessons of Revelation? You're just like, man, I sort of forgot this or I have to remember this. Do you mean specifically about chapter 12 or, or generally the about book. the book? Generally about the book. Yeah, well, I think one of the 
one of the challenging things about Revelation is, you know, how filled with symbolism and imagery it is Mm -hmm. and how that can be confusing to our 21st century mind where we have a different understanding of what some of that symbolism means today and what it may have meant to a first century audience that originally received this vision from John. And it, uh, you know, so, so that's difficult sorting through what all of that means and how it's meant to be interpreted and how it might have meant something specific to a first century audience and how it still is applicable to us today. Mm-hmm. So th- I, I think that's one of the more challenging things about this style of uh, book in the Bible mm-hmm. is sorting through that. You know, it's not like a gospel story narrative that was events that happened that may be different because it's from the first century, but we can relate to it and understand it, and it makes a little more sense to us. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's interesting as I've even talked to so many people, I'm I was caught off guard how many people have actually never read the book. Yeah. They read parts of it, maybe. Mm-hmm. They read headlines of the book. Right. They might have read what people think of the book or opinions of the book, but they've never specifically just read it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I I think that's the reason why is it it gets difficult, mm-hmm. you know, and. You get through what chapter four, chapter five, and then the imagery really gets ramped up, mm-hmm. and it's like, what? What are we talking about? There's dragons and there's beasts and there's seals and there's trumpets and like what? That doesn't that doesn't mean anything to us today, right. and so it takes work. But you know, I think we keep coming back to what it opens with that, like, you know, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, yep. like the. God intended it for us. Right. It is a part of the Bible for a reason. It's really important. It's all about Jesus and his return and how we can live today in preparation for it in, right. the, in the difficult realities of the world that we face. But what I love about it is that um, it, it's like a window that opens up for us the unseen realities of what's happening behind the scenes in the spiritual realm that has impact in our world today. Yeah, that's really good, John. So, you know, one of the things I've thought about, since we haven't, most of us haven't read it, or read only sections, it feels like the book of Revelation needs to be read over and over again Hmm. before you even start to put the pieces together. Does that make sense? And that can be really daunting. You're like, why would I have to read this over and over again? But it's also a really great reminder that, scripture in different seasons and in different places um, requires that of Mm. us. You know what I mean? This is part of the Christian faith for us to reread these things over and over again. Yeah. I I think you're right about that, especially in this book, because there's, there's so much, I think repetition for a purpose and so many things that kind of layer on and circle back to what's happened before. And so I think if you if you are able to get uh, sort of a high level overview of what's happening in the book and how some of these themes are repeated right. and uh, things happen over and over again, and perhaps there are times when events that might seem if if you were reading this in an entirely chronological timeline, 
if you see it as like, oh, maybe some of these events actually are are repeating what happened before. I love the illustration that Thomas used. I can't remember who he stole it from, but I'll steal it from him about reading the book of Revelations like watching a football game. Since oh, you, you love to it. talk about football on, right. on the weekly. Uh, you know, that it's like, okay, there is a timeline that's unfolding, mm-hmm. but sometimes you, you know, really slow the action down and get a really close up on a play that's happening. And sometimes that play is repeated over and over and over again from different angles because you're trying to see, was his knee down? Did the ball cross the line? Was it a fumble? And you see it from all these different perspectives. Right. And then the drama sort of unfolds again. And there is an endpoint, and the endpoint is that Jesus returns, right? And we are with Him forever, and the new heavens and the new earth. But you, uh, I, I thought that was a helpful way to think about, yeah, the book. I thought about that a lot as well when he said that, and I was like, what would be a good another analogy? But that's a cultural analogy, right? That really fits because we've all, no matter if you're not a fan, you've watched a Super Bowl, and that takes place at a Super Bowl. That takes right. place in the background. And then I felt like I should watch some football so that I was more (laughs) well-versed around the book of Revelation. Okay, so we're in chapter 12. And chapter 12 is a very unique chapter. It has some unique characters that might be unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. I love asking this question. What's more biblically accurate, a donkey in the nativity scene or a red dragon? (laughs) (laughs) And that comes out in Revelation 12. Why? Why Why would there be a red dragon at the nativity scene? Well, there's a very strange story that unfolds in Revelation 12. I keep using that word, and I mean, Revelation's fitting for that word. And it's about a woman who's about to give birth mm-hmm. and a dragon who is on the scene. Yeah. And there is so much that commentators over the lifetime of the church have commented on these verses. They're as sort of, relating to the birth of Jesus. As the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, you can get into, there's so many different views of the woman and who she is. Mm-hmm. I think more accurately, it sort of tells us somewhat of what who she is by the things around her. So for those who aren't familiar with Revelation 12, yeah. What is happening? What is unfolding? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's helpful actually to talk about there are three main characters in Revelation 12, mm-hmm. a woman, a red dragon, mm-hmm. and a male child. A male child, yep. John tells us specifically that the woman and the dragon are both symbols. Mm-hmm. He uses the word sign, like verse 1 of Revelation 12, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and then it describes what she looked like. Right. And then similarly with the dragon in verse three, another sign appeared in heaven, behold a great red dragon. So that's a key word in, in verse one and three sign, symbol, image, picture, right? This is not, there is not a literal red dragon, right? And this is not a literal woman, right? Which I think, um, sort of disqualifies one perspective that maybe she's Mary mm-hmm. or Eve. Right. You know, she's she's not meant to be an actual woman. She's meant to be a sign. And I think you can tell based on what she's wearing. Clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Yeah. Which seems to be a reference to the dream that Joseph had. Yeah, in Genesis 37? Yeah, that's yeah. right. 
um, you know, he, he dreams this dream that the son, which, uh, means his father, Jacob or Israel and his mother, Rachel is the, is the moon. Um, his dad's the sun, his mom's the moon. And then there's 11 other stars. He was one of 12 brothers and all of them are bowing down to him. Which gets him in trouble. Yeah, because he tells his family. He tells his brothers, I'm yeah. going to rule over you. They're yeah. like, you're the youngest. So they sell him into slavery in Egypt. <laughs> and then... Say he got murdered. Right. Yeah. And then by the uh, by a miraculous work of God, he actually does become one of the most important leaders, most powerful men in Egypt. And his brothers have to come because there's a famine. And they have to bow at his feet. They don't even recognize who he is. But that that's sort of like one of the origin stories of the nation of Israel. You yeah. Know, this is when it's still just a very small family. It's before they've even gone into uh, captivity in Egypt. And uh, so this, you know, in John's mind, again, this is like first century context. He's a Jew. He would have seen this image and right. it would have reminded him of that story from Genesis. Right. And that that woman is probably symbolic of Israel, yeah. God's people. Yeah, which makes sense because if it's a symbol, there's some implications for not just a woman, but more importantly, a nation and what is happening with this nation and why the red dragon is trying to destroy this nation. Yeah. And so what? who's the red dragon then? Yeah, well, John tells us in, I think it's verse 9, yeah, the great red dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. So the dragon's a sign of the devil, Satan, and the devil and Satan is not a sign or a symbol, right? right? You know, the devil is a real creature yep. and has real impact in the world. And I think that's what's so helpful and practical about Revelation 12 is it describes this conflict between God's people, mm-hmm. Israel, this dragon, the devil, who hates the male child, who is not a sign or a symbol, but is obviously the son of God, right. Jesus. Um, and so it just describes the the battle that goes on between the devil and the people of God. But the the dragon is trying to devour the child that is giving birth, who is... Yeah. The, it's the nativity scene. Yeah, right. Right, in which we... Get historically from the gospel accounts, mm-hmm. Herod right. is the one who's trying to kill all the firstborn, firstborn males in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth. Yeah. And so you see there, that's the picture of like the unseen reality of things that are happening in heaven. Like here's this brutal decision that's made by a political leader who is threatened by a baby. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't even know about, the Magi. Right. That we run. But he's so threatened that this baby might grow up to be the, the king of Israel mm-hmm. that he puts out a an execution order for all of these firstborn children in Bethlehem, right. which is just a gruesome decision. So what's behind the scenes of that? Is that just a, a, a man who is overcome with power, or is the devil behind that? Right. Because the devil seeks to devour this child. Right. And then he can't. He's powerless against this child because this child is the son of God, Jesus. And he is, the the text says, um, taken up to the throne of heaven. Yep. Uh, verse 5. Uh, yeah, she the, the woman gives birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne, which is like the fastest 
summary of the life of Jesus. Yeah. He's born and then he's caught up to God in heaven. Right. In the cosmic reality, it's a very short time period. That's right. But so I, I caught a word there, the rod of iron, yeah. which I thought might be a Daniel reference because Daniel has some visions about these things. But you were saying that comes from Psalm 2? Yeah, that's a that's kind of a quote from Psalm 2, which is a messianic psalm. So there's several messianic psalms within mm-hmm. the, the book of the psalms. Yep. And the collection of the psalms, I should say. And so this is one of those that if someone in John's day would have heard, they would have assumed this is a hyperlink or a reference yeah, to. Yeah, a reference back to Psalm 2. Yeah. yeah. Uh, psalm 2 verse 7 says, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them or rule them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Mm. So the rod is like a shepherd's crook. Right. And, you know, so some translations say you will shepherd the nations with a rod of iron, Mm -hmm. which just communicates the strength and authority uh, that Jesus will shepherd the nations with. Yeah, super interesting. So after this takes place, if you read it chronologically, then a war arose in heaven. Mm -hmm. Michael, who, is this the first time we hear an angel, Michael, in the Bible? No, he's... We know Gabriel. Yeah, he's also, Michael's mentioned in the Old Testament. Okay. And he's sort of one of the archangel protectors specifically of the nation of Israel. Yeah. Is kind of what his role is in the Old Testament. Super interesting. Yeah, another Old Testament reference. And his angels fight against the dragon. Yeah. And they fought back and he was defeated. The dragon was. The dragon was. And there's no longer a place for him in heaven. Yeah, he's thrown down to the earth. So does this happen after the birth narrative of Jesus? Oh, that's that's a good question. Does this happen after the work of Jesus on the cross and say, shorten the timeline? Right. The question is, when is Satan, the red Mm -hmm. dragon, and his rebellious angels, the demons, the demons thrown into earth? That's a deep theological question, Jay. <laughs> any any reflections on that? Like wow. any any like honest, you know, this is where the Bible is like we can have opinions or yeah. ideas. Don't they're not gospel, you yeah. know what I mean? Like right. do, so yeah, they, you have to have loosely held, I think, yeah, in in some of these things on the timeline. I I do think Chapter 12, it's possible it's one of the, going back to Thomas's example of like a replay. Yeah. It, it's actually possible there are like three scenes that replay the original action that happens in the first seven verses. Right. Six verses. And then seven through 12 kind of replay what happened. And then 13 through the end kind of replay what happened mm-hmm. again. Or there's two scenes that are just talking about different perspectives. Right. So it, it seems to me that there's a possibility that either at the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, or at his ascension, which verse 5 refers to when he was caught up to God in his throne, yeah. that there was a cosmic shift in the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. and Satan was thrown down out of heaven onto the earth and no longer has a place there. It's kind of weird to think about Satan having a place in heaven, but if you think back to like Job mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, there's a scene which may not be literal, but describes Satan coming to God and, you know, asking to do something to his people in the presence of God. There is also this experience with Peter 
where Jesus says to him, hey, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, you know, right before Peter denies Jesus, which maybe lends itself to the idea that that Satan is cast out of heaven following the ascension of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think there clearly was a fundamental shift and and Satan um, experienced some kind of defeat Mm -hmm. that is that will ultimately culminate in the return of Jesus in the end of time, but was decided when Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. You know, that, that was a total shift, which goes back to Genesis three, where he's God himself says he will crush you with his heel, right? The ancient serpent that's referred to here in 12 is a reference. Yeah. To Genesis three, when you strike his heel, he'll crush you. He, He will, Bruise your heel. Yeah, and, bruise your heel. Yeah, and you will bruise his head. Yeah. And that he's talking to Eve, mm-hmm. you know, again, who uh, there, there's some question here is, you know, is the woman Eve? I don't think she is, but I think there is that reference back to what happens there where the devil enters in and disrupts God's good and perfect creation right. by tempting people and lying to them, which is what he does. You know, uh, Revelation 12 describes him as a deceiver. That's who he's always been. Mm-hmm. He lied to Eve and to Adam. Right. Got them to think that, you know, did God really say this? And then there was this uh, battle between humanity and the devil and ultimately the greatest human who has ever lived, who is Jesus. Right. And that's who Satan is really doing battle against, but he's been defeated. Yeah. He's been thrown down out of heaven. And um, even though there's still a battle. Yep. And and still the reality of Satan's influence in the world, it is limited, it's under the control of God, and ultimately Jesus will be victorious. So in verse 12 it says, his time is short. Right. Which, if you think 2,000 years, that doesn't, that's pretty long yeah. in my view, but in the cosmic reality, once again, that's fair time. That's right. a short time. Yeah. So what's the point of chapter 12 then? Like if you're going to, you know, you have these characters, you have these mm-hmm images and signs and symbols you have this cosmic battle what's the point for the new testament church of the seven churches that are reading this for the first time yeah what's the point well i think the overarching point of chapter 12 is the overarching point of the book of revelation and that is that jesus is on the throne right and he is our ultimate emperor ultimate king ultimate leader and he will consummate his kingdom at some point in the future, at a time that's only known to God. And he will bring the ultimate reign and rule of God to everything, mm. to the earth, to the new heavens, and every knee will bow. That's so good. I think that's the ultimate point. Right. I think there is also a very helpful practical point for the people of God to just be aware that there is a devil Right. In the language of Revelation 12, a dragon who seeks to devour God's people because he is a deceiver and a liar. Mm-hmm. And there, there is in him the explanation for why terrible things happen in the world. Mm-hmm. Because he has some sort of purview and power over what happens down here on the earth. Uh, John uses the term... Uh, the dragon was thrown down. He's down here on the earth, thrown down like six or seven times right. in Revelation 12. Like he's cast out of heaven, and now he's down here. Like, you know, Peter says he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the prince and the power of the air. 
that's, you know, Satan has impact in what's happening here. And I think it's important for us. It's not something we talk about. We don't like to talk about it. It's important for us as believers to recognize there is, there is an adversary that we have that is opposed to us. Right. And we have to be aware of his tactics and how deceitful he is and the subtle ways that he, um, you know, does his dirty work down right. here. And also some of the more uh, terrible ways, yeah. you know, and like violent. Through kings and nations. And Absolutely. Through horrific events. And I think it makes sense of what's happening in the world. I, I told the story during my message this week, but I, uh, I was with someone last week. And the topic of the war in Israel came up Mm -hmm. and they said to me, I just can't believe that that kind of thing is still happening in 2023. Like I thought we were better than that. Mm -hmm. I thought humans were past this. It's just really disappointing. And I think if we don't have the perspective that there is a devil who impacts events in the world and influences people and influences governments and politicians and leaders. Right. I think the world's a very disorienting place to live. Yeah. But if we if we recognize that evil is real and it's not a problem that can simply be solved by education or laws or the evolution of the human species, a civil so- society, right? Right. Um, technology. It's a reality. Yeah. And that doesn't excuse it. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean that we just say, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about that. Like all those things, you know, I, I think God gives us dominion over the earth to try to bring justice to places and bring mercy to people who have experienced violence. I, I'm, right. I'm not saying that's okay. All those things should be condemned. But, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, don't be alarmed when there's wars or rumors of wars or, you know, these are birth pains. Yeah. Like these things must happen. And then the end will come. Yeah. And in this world, you will have tribulation mm-hmm. or trouble or challenges or pain or sorrow. Like you can't be caught off guard by that right. and think, why is this happening? Right. I just, you know. Yeah. So you concluded your message and Thomas in similar fashion. And so did Tom about some hopefulness yeah. we have because of this. That's right. And. You know, for Thomas, it was the blood of the lamb. Yep. We're conquerors because of the blood of the lamb by their testimonies mm-hmm. and that they loved not their lives even unto death. Yeah. Which is super important for the early church to remember, especially those who are being probably, some were even in the hands of Satan yep. in some ways, and that they stay faithful. And it's important for us even, too, that, like, goes back to Revelation 5. That's when the blood of the Lamb is talked about. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the most important images of Jesus you can have, especially when reading Revelation. But blood of the Lamb conquers yeah. all this. Right. Conquers it says the it, dragon. It says it in 12 as well. Yeah, conquers death. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I described the, the blood of the Lamb and the words of... Uh, our testimony as like the the two weapons that yeah. Jesus has equipped us with that have already won the war. Right. Like that's the perspective we have to remember. Satan has been defeated. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's still doing things. Yes. But uh, like there's no question about the victory. Right. And Jesus has equipped us because of his work. First, right. you know, by the blood of the lamb. 
Right. So like his wounds have impact for us. And when we are experiencing whatever it is, deception, temptation, violence, Mm -hmm. sorrow, trauma because of the outgrowth of evil, we have to remember that Jesus died for us Mm -hmm. and that his wounds have healed us. Mm -hmm. And so therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, the, the adversary, the devil can lob all sorts of accusations against us and they don't stand. It's like, I'm sure Jacob has the little, uh, Nerf gun darts. Yeah. It's like Satan shoots you with one of those Nerf gun darts and you're wearing like a Kevlar vest. Right. Like he can lob all the accusations he wants against you. Right. But the blood of the lamb has healed you if you have called on the name of Jesus for salvation. Yeah. And there's ultimately nothing he can do, even to the point of death. Yeah. So which is really hard for us to consider. Right. That, you know, again, in the first century context, and there's a lot around these chapters about the martyrs, people who... In, in the first century and throughout church history have lost their lives because of their faith in Jesus. They have been killed. Right. And the, the ultimate hope that we have is we could lose our life, but we would not lose our salvation because of the blood of the lamb. That's right. You know, That's and then right. the second one is Testimony. our witness. Yeah. You know, like I, I just was thinking last week, like, I don't know that I've ever really thought about my personal witness and testimony of what Jesus has done in my life as like a weapon that I can use against all the schemes of the devil. Yeah, it disarms them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, well, this is what Jesus did for me. Yeah. You know, like I, I was this kind of person and then Jesus saved my life and now I'm this kind of person and he, he changed my heart and he transformed my life and he's done these things for me that I could never do on my own. Right. And, you know, even in our day, if we experience whatever small amount or large amount of persecution or people who mock you because of your faith or your belief in Jesus, you know what that that's, that is a subtle work of the enemy. Right. You can just say, you know, I, I, am not sure I can answer all your questions, but I know this. Yeah. Jesus died for me. And because I believed in him, I'm, I'm a better husband or wife or father. Or I, I'm more honest in my job yeah. or I'm a more faithful friend or I've become a better parent because of Jesus. Yeah. And I, I don't know about all your accusations, yeah. but I know this. I can't live my life without Jesus. Yeah. And that, that's just a weapon that, that Jesus weapon. has equipped us with because of his good work. And the final is like, don't, how much do you love your life? Right. right. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, that's a good point. It's something that Jesus willingly gave away mm-hmm. because he knew that it wasn't in the grand scheme of God. It's not that important. It's important to us. It's important to us. But yeah, it we could lose it. Yeah. And we could still be in the presence of God. Right. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I when I hear those words, especially that third point, I always think of like reading um the book of martyrs, John the Fox's book of martyrs. Mm. Or I think of like even the modern one of the, the Jesus freaks. Yeah. And reading the testimonies of so many people who come before yeah. who lost their lives because of their faith. Yeah. And just the beauty of those stories that are inspiring to, for me to not love my life to the point where I'm not willing to give it up. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. How the church and the history of the church, so many people before us have been so faithful. Mm-hmm. Even in like in the context, I was thinking about this too, like even the context of Calvary and the generations that we have among us, you know, we're in the fifth generation realm of people that have been here way longer than we have, 
yeah. and their testimonies of what God has done at Calvary, what he's done in the monks of the people of God for uh, these centuries. It's just, it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. And you don't, don't rush those stories, right? Right. Yeah. Remind, yeah. Remind yourself once again of the stories of what Jesus does among normal people. Amen. Yeah. Well, John, thanks for debriefing Revelation 12. Thanks you know, for having me, Jay. I, I, I thought maybe the weekly had been canceled because you hadn't asked me on for a while, or maybe I was not a successful oh my goodness. participant. Don't ever say that. You know, the reason why the weekly exists is for so many years at Calvary, I would come in the week after y'all preached, and we'd have these wonderful conversations, and I was like, people at Calvary need to hear these conversations because they're the real meat of like how we're living out our lives, mm, right? Yeah. And so I'm so thankful that people listen, people comment, people pray, people come on to help us at Calvary stay faithful to this great story we live in. Well, thanks for doing it, Jay, and pushing all of these buttons. Yeah, man. Hey, like always, we'd love to hear from you. You can always write us. Now you can always find us now on YouTube. Comment below. That's a really easy way. And always, if you run into John this week, next week, and you found something super fascinating, or you need to rebuttal him, say, I listen to the weekly. Mm. All right, Calvary, we love you. Most Have importantly, go Buffs. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>